How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony William. We're talking about extraterrestrial beings. We're talking about aliens. Or maybe you might know them through that stereotype, little green men. Which I always wondered about that one because is there women as aliens up there? Like little green women? We've never used that one. But little green men, maybe you're someone that doesn't believe in aliens. You don't believe there's life on other planets out there. So if that's the case, sit back and listen to the stories I have to tell you, because they're just stories. After all, who knows? You might like what you hear. Maybe you don't like what you hear, but that's okay. I'm not telling you you have to believe. So let's get into Medical Medium Storytime. It's been over 40 years now. Not too many people know this story. Just some family members. That's pretty much it. I was at a diner. It was late. Late at night. I was with an old friend. We were catching up, talking, having a good time. He got later. We said, hey, let's just stay. Let's not go anywhere. Let's just keep on talking. And we did. It was one o'clock in the morning. Then it became two o'clock in the morning. And then 2.30. And then we said, let's take off. Let's get out of here. It's time to go home. As we were leaving the diner, we entered the parking lot. My friend had a lot of energy. He drank coffee the whole night. He was all jacked up. I was a little tired. I was just drinking lemon water and I needed to go to bed. But I remember something and I'll never forget it. It was the darkest night I've ever seen. The sky was just pitch black. The moon wasn't out. Stars weren't even shining. There was like a fog, but there wasn't a fog, a cloud cover. There was no light shining from cities up to the sky. It was just a black, dark night where you needed a flashlight to see where you're going. My friend said, I'm not in a rush. Let's take the long way home. I said, sure. I was driving. I didn't mind. It's already this late. It's almost three o'clock in the morning. Why not? We decided to take a left, left turn off the beaten path, go a different way, hit the back roads. The boondocks is what we used to call it. There were no street lights, no street lamps. It was really dark. It was a heavily wooded area in some sections and lots of big trees. 
There were still some houses, though. On the left side of the road, there were a few houses. On the right side of the road, there were a few houses. But eventually, the houses were further apart. So as you were driving a mile down the road, you'd see one house. We weren't driving on pavement anymore. We were on dirt. It was an old dirt road. And it was hot because it was summertime. It was late July. My car didn't have air conditioning. So we had the windows down. The air smelled really nice. My friend and I weren't talking that much at this point. I think we were just feeling the vibrations of the night. The air smelled good. I think both of us were noticing how quiet everything was. We were driving, but it was so still outside. There was no wind, no breeze. It was just thick of silence and stillness. We were coming to a fork up ahead in the road. We were supposed to take a right, but instead, my friend said, why don't we take the left? So I said, sure, why not? It'll lead to the same place in the end. We drove for about another half mile. There was another fork in the road, so I saw it coming up, and I decided to slow down before I got to it. I came to a stop, sat there in the car, and that's when I noticed something unusual. I was looking to the left, and I said to my friend, do you see that? And he looked and said, yeah, what is that? I said, I don't know. It looks like a person, and it looks like they're standing there. Can you see? And he goes, I think so. It was so dark. My headlights weren't on the figure that was standing there. My headlights were going straight ahead, and this figure was on the left side of the road. On my side of the road, I said to my friend, this is just so unusual. It's three o'clock in the morning. We're way out in the sticks. We're on a dirt road. No one's out here. And then something came over us. We felt a desire, a desire that took over, making us want to see what this figure was making me pull the car over to the left, driving down the dirt road and pulling up directly to the figure. As we were getting closer to this figure, I was noticing a metallic flicker occur. My friend said, is that a person? Are they wearing some kind of flickering jacket? And I said, yeah. It looks like that, I think. Let me just pull right up to them. We got closer and closer, and then that's it. We pulled right up, and the figure was standing no more than two feet from my car door and my window. And then that's when my life was changed forever. My friend leaned over to my side and we both looked at the figure. 
Even though the figure was so close, it was hard to see. It was confusing. It was like you were looking at something. You think you know what you're looking at, but you're not sure. You can see a metallic jacket or suit or covering. It looks like a human of some kind, but then everything changed. A light came out of the sky, so bright. It was brighter than what daytime would look like. It was blinding. My car was running at the time, but then no longer. It just shut right down. A few seconds later, our eyes started to adjust to what we were seeing. We were looking at the trees. We were looking at the leaves. They stuck out so vibrantly. And then we turned our heads and looked up at the figure, straight at it. It was tall. You had to look up. And what we noticed is it had a head, but it wasn't looking at us. The body was turned around, and the head was facing a different direction. Seeing and feeling this was hard enough. And then the body, the figure, lifted off the ground about a foot. We felt like we were paralyzed, and disbelief and shock started to take over. Our eyes were glued to the figure, and that's when the figure started to slowly spin around to the point where the figure was facing us. And then we were directly face to face. And what we saw looked like a tall man with no face. The head looked like it was wrapped in skin. It had a tight wrapping around the face and head. There were indentation of eyes, but no eyes. There were markings of nostrils, but no nostrils. And there was a line as if it was a mouth, but there was no mouth. We were staring in what felt like a paralyzing trance at this tall figure hovering off the ground in the light with no face. And that's when I heard a voice. And the voice said, it's going to hurt you. A feeling took over, and that feeling was, if I don't get out of this now, I'm going to die. And that's when I heard my friend screaming in terror. And that's when his screaming snapped me out of whatever trance I was in. And then I started screaming as I was leaning over to his side of the car. I remember at that point where I knew I had to do something. Fight or flight was kicking in, that adrenaline surge. And I remember telling myself, do I just try to open up my car door, bump into this thing, and just run? But I knew that wasn't going to work. And then at that moment, the light in the sky went out and disappeared. And the car started back up on its own. I jammed the car in drive, and I stepped on the gas. And the car took off. After a few seconds, I then lost control of the car and went off the road. I was stuck in the mud. I put the car in reverse, and I slammed on the gas, and the car wasn't moving. 
I was stuck. And in the back of the car, through the windshield, I could see something moving. And I can see what seemed like some type of flashing light in the distance. My friend jumped out of the car. He got in front of the car and he started pushing. I had the car in reverse and then caught traction. He jumped back in the car and we hit the road again. As we were driving down the road, we never spoke. We did not speak once. He didn't say, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I thought we were going to die. And I didn't say, oh my God, dear Lord, what happened? What did we even see? We both didn't say anything. We didn't even speak. We couldn't. We could not talk or say a word. A couple miles down the road, we got off the dirt road and we were on pavement. We were where we were supposed to be. We still weren't speaking. I drove him directly home. He got out of the car. He went inside his house. He didn't even look at me. I drove back home, got into my house, crawled into bed, and eventually fell asleep. The next morning, something strange happened. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell anyone. It was as if something kept on stopping me from ever talking about it, ever telling anyone. It wasn't as if I was like afraid to tell somebody because I thought they were going to think I was crazy or something. That didn't even cross my mind. It was I just couldn't speak about it. I couldn't get the words out. I couldn't describe it. Neither could my friend. A few years went by. And I started remembering things, small details, small details, but meaningful ones. I started seeing it clearly, what really happened, what I really saw, the moment the light came out of the sky, minutes before we got to that fork in the road. I started thinking about the diner, how when we left the diner and was heading to the car, how it was so dark outside. We couldn't see anything. And then the realizations come. Was that thing waiting for me? Did it know I was going to go down that road? Did it send a message to me, to my psychic mind, to take that turn and head down that road? Was it connected to me? Was it trying to get me and take me away? And then the dreams came. The dreams I would go to sleep, and the dreams would come. The dreams of seeing that being, looking at it clearly. You'll never forget the face. And in the dreams, it comes out so clear as if it was in the moment. Clues surface over time in the dreams. I had this one dream that repeated itself. And every time I dreamt it, Something different or new came up within the dream. I was in the diner. My friend was there. We were sitting there. And then a light streaked outside. But there wasn't a car or truck in the dream. But a light was outside in the dream. And then I wake up out of the dream. And it hits me. 
I remember vaguely seeing a light that was different than a headlight, different than a truck light. And I remember even mentioning it to my friend in the diner during all those hours we were talking. And then I have another dream. It's the same dream. It's another day. But this time, I'm driving in the car. And as I'm driving with my friend in the passenger seat, I hear crickets. I hear peepers. I hear sounds of life, nightlife, nature, while I'm in the car driving. And then I stop the car on the dirt road in my dream, and all the crickets and peepers sound beautiful. They sound peaceful. They're loud. And then they all stop. I wake up from the dream, and then it hits me, and I think about it. I think about, was the peepers and the crickets out when I left the diner? I try to remember, or was it that they were all gone when I was on the dirt road and it was so quiet? When did it happen? I ask myself these questions. One dream I had, I repeatedly had, really got to me, got to me good. It was really strong. It stuck with me. We got out of the diner, we got in the car, and we were driving. We went on the dirt road, and we were driving for a while. And then the fork came up in the road, the very fork, before the sighting happened. As we got to the fork, I stopped in the dream. And then my friend said, take a left. And I said, no. No, I can't take a left. I said, take a left. I said, I can't. And we argued in the dream in the car. Now, while I was in the dream, I wasn't aware that there was going to be this thing or this being to the left of me down the road a little bit. Wasn't aware at all. But I knew in the dream I could not take that left. And I argued and then the anxiety kicked up inside the dream. Me and my friend were telling each other what direction to go. And I was trying to tell him there's a reason. I don't know what it is. But there's a reason we can't take the left. Please, we can't take that left. And he said, okay. And then we took a right in the dream. And as we were driving a little bit, all this emotion came up. And I awakened. One of the things that I think about the most is I knew when I was sitting in that car and that light came out of the sky and that being was just a couple of feet away that something bad was going to happen. And I knew there was no escape. I was trapped. You hear stories out there of people getting abducted by aliens Something happens to them. They just disappear. And they eventually show up somewhere by the side of a lake. No clothes on. Disheveled. No memory. Or just abducted and gone forever. And there was a witness that saw it happen. Or you hear other stories where 
the aliens come into the house and they go into somebody's bedroom and they just take you away and you just go out of the house up into the sky and you're gone forever. You hear about these stories out there. And when I ever hear any of these stories, I don't doubt it. I say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I know that night when I was in that car, it was going to happen to me. But yet, it didn't happen to me. I wasn't taken away. I survived it. But how? One of the questions I'm always asking myself, one of the questions I think about all the time and I ask above is the question, how come I survived it? How come we got away? And how did it happen? Why did the light stop? Why did the trance and the force we were under let us go? I've heard stories out there of people who have encounters, and they're spiritual people. They believe in God. Maybe they follow a religion, and they see a sighting or something happens to them that it's unexplainable on all levels, and they question everything after that. They question the Bible. They question their faith. They question Jesus Christ. They question the God they believe in. They question the Savior they believe in or the saint they believe in. They question the Creator or what they believe in spiritually. They question it all. They're confused and they lose faith because what happened changes everything for them. What happened to me that night did not have that same effect. It strengthened my faith instead, made it stronger, because I realized that some kind of divine intervention occurred. Some kind of angelic intervention occurred. Something had power to go against this dark, evil power that I was up against. To have that kind of light come out of the sky like that and light up everything. To have the force to gravitate off the ground in that capacity that it did. To have the ability to shut down the car and yet it was stopped. Stopped in its tracks, it seemed. Living proof, I'm here. And the dreams have all but gone away over the years. Now it's just a dream once in a while or once in a blue moon, I say, as an expression. And that dream is I'm in the house. I hear noises. I go downstairs. I end up opening the front door, going outside, and then I look at the sky. And then I see a light moving across the sky and something comes over me. And that light gets closer and closer and then I realize it's got its eyes set on me and I have to hide and I have to run. And I end up trying to get back to the house, but the house is really far away now. And this dream repeats itself in many ways, but it's always similar. And then I jump into the bushes and I lay there on the dirt or in some grass behind a bush 
feeling the presence that that ship is floating around the neighborhood looking for me and hasn't quite spotted me yet. And then I look behind the bush up at the sky and the ship's larger and it's landing in just an adjacent field. And I know, oh my God, it's going to get me now. And then I could kind of feel it and hear things going on as I'm in the dream, but I can't get back to the house. And just when I think they found me, I wake up. I wake up in a sweat and I can't fall back to sleep. It could take hours. There's a lot of people in the world who have gone through something similar or even far, far worse. So when I think about what I went through in my experience, I'm truly grateful. Hey, hey, you see that? You see that? What is that in the middle of the farm field? I don't know. Old Harper's Farm? You see it over there? Yeah, let's just head over there. Come on. All right, wow. What is this thing? He didn't get a new tractor, right? No, this isn't any new tractor. I've never seen anything like this. Hey, oh, and the door's opening. The door's opening. Oh my God. Oh. Do you want to go in? Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's go in there. Right, you go first. All right. All right. Ah, feels like they got air conditioning in here. I don't know. It just feels cool. What, I, what is going on here? What is this thing? Look at that control panel. Don't touch that. Don't touch that switch. You don't know what it does? Yeah. Like, what if it does something? This thing looked like it landed here, man. You don't just play with the switches. No, I don't know. Don't sit down in the seat. No. No, you shouldn't be sitting in that seat. Oh my God, what's in that jar? Oh my God, there's a jar. There's a jar. Look at it. What's in that? You see the wires going to it? What? It's moving. Oh, we gotta get out of here, man. As fast as possible. What, what? No, the door's shutting. No, just stop it, hit, just go. I know when people think, hey, there's gonna be an alien talk or an alien show or some kind of alien TV show or something or documentary, first thing comes to mind, government, governments, government base, government bases, aliens, Area 51, the government harboring aliens, harboring spacecrafts, hiding material, hiding documented classified information. Because face it, that's what everybody thinks about. But in this episode, I'm not going to go into all of that. It's just going to be insulting because duh, yeah, governments are involved all around the planet with aliens, alien activity. Yes. Has the military or some military on the planet somehow got a hold of a crashed spaceship? Maybe even got a hold of an alien? Yeah, for sure. No doubt. At one time or another, yes. So let's talk about some different things. There are people out there that believe in different things. They believe civilization 
is only here on this planet for about 6,000 years. Maybe they believe civilization's only 4,000 years old, or maybe they believe it's older. There's some people out there that believe civilizations have been here longer than 6,000 years, 10,000 years, 15,000 years. And then there's people that believe civilizations are even older and go back further. Let's keep an open mind. How about if civilizations here on this earth have been around for more than tens of thousands of years, maybe even more than a couple of hundred thousand years, maybe close to a million years? And what if the people that were here tens of thousands of years ago are not our ancestors, we're not related? What if the people that were here even longer than that, hundreds of thousands of years ago, are not our ancestors? There's no lineage connection. There's no genetic connection passed on down. Genes after genes after genes. Maybe we're not connected at all to some of the older civilizations that have been here many, many years before us. Before we go any further, keep in mind, if you're somebody that's really entrenched in the theory of evolution, that things might sound a little different as we move forward. So keep that space open that maybe evolution isn't what the truth is. And there's other things to be had, other things involved in our existence. Because the theory of evolution dictates that we developed here on this earth. So humans came out of this earth only. That means cells multiplied in the bottom of the ocean. A creature was formed. That creature turned into another creature, eventually thriving out of the ocean, breathing in oxygen instead of needing oxygen inside the water, crawling on the land, eventually standing upright and becoming what we are now, the first cavemen, and then now the humans of the modern era as which we live in. That would be just a nutshell of evolution. So if we believe in evolution, we are forced to believe that the humans on this planet came from that original source, stayed alive, and thrived on this planet, and took us to the point of where we are today. That means from point A, the inception of humans developing out of cells and tissue, a creature moving into a primate, developing into a human, and then that first human from where it started, whenever that was, carried on with no interception. That means that human model that human race in that moment never had an interruption that stopped the human or human race from living. That means we've been alive since the inception of those very early cells at the bottom of the ocean, since the beginning of the theory of evolution, and there hasn't been an interruption at all on any level if we believe in the theory of evolution. We stood upright, we became a caveman, and now we learned how to use, as a caveman, 
stone tools. We learned how to create a fire with wood. And here we are today. But what if I told you something else? Or what if we just talked about something else? Take it or leave it. I don't know. And what if I said, we've been here a very long time and we've been wiped out and it had to start again? And what if I told you it was more than once? We were here. Civilizations lived. We were wiped out. And we had to start again. And what I mean by wiped out, I mean by eradicated. I mean by extinction. So what if I said there were humans, humankind here on this planet, humanoids, humankind, and civilizations were thriving, things happened, and then all civilizations on the planet were gone. And then, thousands of years later, started up again. Imagine the Earth as one big chalkboard. Remember when you were in school? Teacher had a piece of chalk in her hand or his hand, was writing up on that chalkboard. Imagine the Earth as one big chalkboard. And then the teacher taking an eraser and clearing the whole chalkboard. And it starts over from the beginning. And that entire civilization on the planet wiped out, gone for good. And then eventually a new civilization starts up, but it didn't start up through evolution. It didn't start up where there were some mussels and clams, crustaceans sitting down at the bottom of the ocean. There's some oysters down there and something sparked and a jellyfish and an oyster got together, and then some kind of other creature was formed because of it, and now something crawls out of the ocean. And next thing you know it, after another 1,000, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 years, now it's upright, now it's a primate. What if it didn't work like that at all? And civilization was there and then gone, and then a new civilization appeared, and eventually... With that civilization appearing and going, another one appearing and going, we ended up with one of our recent civilizations, like the one we're in now. The one we've been in where we don't know how old it really is. We know it's old. We know we've been here for a while. There's been some discoveries, but yet not that long. We haven't been there or here that long at all. But yet, we have been in a way, but yet we haven't, because that civilization in the past has been dead and gone, wiped out, and there could be a huge gap between that civilization and the next civilization. But the one we're in now hasn't been here that that long, because they haven't been connected all the way through the hundreds of thousands of years without an interruption or a break. If humankind didn't get here because of evolution, then how did we get here? Different people believe in different things. A whole bunch of people believe in evolution and that's how we got here. And a whole bunch of people believe in creation. That's how we got here. Everybody has what's in their heart, what's in their soul, what they feel what they believe in, 
Now, how we were created, whether it was through evolution coming out of the ocean or God created us like Adam and Eve, however someone believes how we were created one way or the other is not really the focus for the moment. What if I was to say we somehow got here, but we were created somewhere else? And what your belief system is on how we were created still can stand, but it was someplace else it happened. So if you believe evolution is how we got here now, what they teach in school, that we came out of a swamp or an ocean, then that happened somewhere else. If you believe God snapped his fingers and a human appeared or Adam was created, and that's what you believe, then sure, it happened somewhere else. So let's think about however we were created as a human kind. It happened somewhere else, far, far away, but then we got here. And maybe you're someone who doesn't believe that God snapped his finger and we appeared or we crawled out of a swamp or an ocean through evolution, and you have a different belief on how we were created, that's fine. Whatever that belief is, just what if it wasn't here on this planet and it was somewhere else first? So that brings us next to, is there life in other places? Meaning life on other planets in other solar systems, in other galaxies. Some people already know that there was life on Mars. Civilizations in the past, there's statues on Mars. There's war machines on Mars. There's all kinds of debris on Mars. There's a tremendous amount of evidence that there was life in the past on Mars. There were actual civilizations thriving. There were buildings, houses, cities on Mars. But what happened? How come it's not there anymore? The red planet is a prime example of destruction and evil. It's a wasteland because of war after war after war. Imagine what was once a beautiful place beautiful planet with water and trees and foliage became a nuked out nuclear wasteland and desert. Did you ever think that tens of thousands of years could have gone by on Mars and it's still not in a place where it can be reseeded? The startup of a new civilization, a large civilization that can thrive where water becomes purified again, foliage, trees, plants, shrubs grow. How long will it take for planet Mars to be able to heal itself, to clean up, purify, so that life can exist on it and thrive on it? Are we here on planet Earth heading to the same fate, the war machines? When you think about the nukes that we have on this planet could annihilate the entire Earth. 
turn it into a wasteland and a desert just like Mars, and even turn it red because of acid and fallout. And what if that happened here? That would not be a natural disaster. That would be a war machine disaster, evil on all levels. But it would be a wasteland here, and civilization would be eradicated. All life on the planet eradicated completely. And then we would be a wasteland. But for how long would we be a wasteland? How long has Mars been a wasteland? How long is it going to take to purify for the planet to be reseeded again on Earth? We're at a place in history where a natural disaster could occur, like a volcano clouding up the sky, shutting out light, sunlight, no photosynthesis, no plants and trees growing. We can't feed ourselves. It could happen. But most likely, what's going to make a big shift here on Earth is not going to be a volcano or a great flood. It's going to be destruction from evil and greed. And that's what's going to take the planet to that new phase. It's not going to be that flood. It's not going to be that volcano. It's not going to be because the moon goes off axis and then we have a disaster for quite some time, for a thousand years or more. Is it possible we disappeared over and over again because of natural disasters? A meteorite, a great flood, some kind of shift with the Earth and its axis, some kind of shift the moon had. Is it possible we disappeared and then reappeared? And then thousands of years gone by, and we disappeared again, and we reappeared. And if there were natural disasters making us disappear, basically destroying and killing off civilizations in that moment of time, how did we reappear? How did we reappear? Such a nice night tonight, isn't it? I love taking these nighttime walks. You know, air is good. What is that? Oh my God, you see that? Get your phone out. Did you see, where did it go? It went over that hill, it's on the other side of the hill. Just, let's, let's go, let's try to get there, run. Run. Okay, all right. Oh my God, look, it's a craft. What, what are they doing? It's, do you see the steam? Look at the lights. The door's opening. You see the door? Get, get, get your phone out. Video that. There's a door. Oh, oh my God. What is that coming out? There's a, there's, those aren't people. Oh my God, the aliens. Are they looking at us? Do they see us? Keep, keep down, keep your head down. I, I can't move. Just. Can you move your, can you move your legs? Why do I feel stuck here? They're heading this way. They're coming over. Oh, ow, ow, no, let us go. I don't let my friend go. No, oh, don't take me in there. All right, all right, all right, I'm in the, we're in the ship.
How does the civilization return, come back? Let's talk about Noah's Ark, the great ship, the ark, the ark that was built because Noah heard the voice of God as a prophet. He was hearing God tell him, you have to build this ship and keep on building it and not quit and not stop, no matter how crazy it looked to everybody, the community, the village. They watched him as he built this gigantic ship and they laughed at him. They didn't believe in anything he was saying. They didn't believe what he was doing was right. He heard a voice that the rains were going to come. So he would tell the people, the rain is going to come. He gathered animals, two at a time, and then the rains started. They didn't start heavy at first. They started kind of light. But as the days went on, the rain kept on coming, heavier and heavier. Puddles went to small rivers, went to ponds, turned into lakes. Everything was saturated. The water rose, and then the ship broke free off its stilts and was now floating. Everything turned into a vast ocean. Noah had a job to do. It was to bring life back on the planet. It was to reseed the planet, instructed by God. So Noah heard God say to him, you must preserve these animals and then let them free when the time is right. But what if Noah wasn't a human? What if Noah's ship wasn't a wooden ship, but was a starship? A starship with a prophet on it, not human, but a prophet that heard a voice and took orders. There was a great flood on a planet in a certain solar system. We need to reseed that planet towards the end of the flood. So that prophet in that starship had directions to go gather life, gather humans from another planet, gather animals from another planet. And once they've been gathered, redirect and head to planet Earth. So when the flood subsided, spacecraft landed on dry land and unloaded the cargo, different kinds of animals, different people, and lots of provisions. But at the same time, those provisions run out. And then those people need a way to feed themselves. So the craft gets a different order, the profit on the ship. And that order is to continually bring provisions until the people can fend for themselves. This practice is continued for generation after generation. Provisions are dropped off at the same time. The human beings are learning how to feed themselves. 
grow things, survive, create shelter. And as time goes on, once the humans are self-sufficient, the provisions stop. For hundreds of years and hundreds of years, it's all about survival, not documentation. There's no energy, resources, or time for documenting things properly. A thousand years go by, documentation becomes just stories, old stories of the past about a ship, about ancestors getting here. Stone crafting begins, carvings on stones, pictures, Stories become a whisper down the lane about a great flood that occurred, a flood at the planet. But these whispers and stories are not from people before the flood. They're not from the civilization long before the flood. They're from people that came after the flood, that don't know a lot about the flood. The original starship that dropped off the civilization after the flood, did not come back for thousands of years. But the essence to why the people were there was because of a ship. Over time, humans were able to build ships. So everything was about an actual ship that floated on an ocean or a waterway. It wasn't about a ship from the sky. And the story changes. So now let's go back before the flood. What if the humans that were here before the flood, the civilization, wasn't just humans? What if it was humans and aliens? And instead of flooding the entire planet, God flooded part of the planet where there was a civilization, where there were aliens and there were humans. But the aliens were bad aliens, and they weren't instructed by God to be productive and helpful for the human race. And these bad aliens came on their own, and they were destructive. They were damaging the human race. They were injuring women. They were stopping the human race from thriving. They were stealing their provisions. Their appetites were large. And they weren't contributing to the civilization so it can thrive and be healthy. They were an obstacle causing problems. So the civilization was decaying, was becoming problematic. It was disintegrating because of these bad aliens. And these bad aliens weren't sophisticated. They didn't have a spacecraft. They were aliens that didn't have spaceships. They got here from an alien ship that dropped them off. They were a different variety of alien dropped off by an alien ship. If you believe in life beyond this planet, life that's out there in the galaxies and in the universe, and you believe there's different extraterrestrials from different planets in different solar systems and different galaxies throughout the universe, then is it possible there's really bad aliens and there's really good aliens. And there could be extraterrestrials that have cargo that they need to unload. Cargo they have to unload in a certain solar system because they have to. They have to empty the ship. 
planet Earth is a great spot for that? And is it possible that bad aliens dropped off other aliens that didn't have a spaceship, but yet joined a civilization and try to prosper and grow and thrive within that civilization? And that civilization first accepted them, gave them a chance, but they weren't compatible. Instead, these extraterrestrials that were dropped off started to destroy the civilization. And say you believe in God. Say you believe in the Creator. Say you believe in some type of universe, universal force or power. And that God or God or power decided to flood the planet to eliminate that destructive extraterrestrial beings. And what if God didn't create this flood? What if the creator didn't create this flood? What if some super universal power or force didn't create the flood? But it was just a luck of the draw. It was just timing. Or what if it wasn't timing and it wasn't God that created the flood? And instead, it was a different extraterrestrial, a good extraterrestrial. And this group of good aliens that saw the situation and saw how bad it was and destructive it was, decided to try to fix the problem and started to melt the caps or used alien technology to reroute a massive river, directing this massive river into an entirely different direction towards a civilization, or did they use an alien technology to actually create humidity, massive amounts of humidity, and using their alien technology to create gases, gases that promote rainfall, uncontrollable, nonstop rainfall. And this heavy precipitation lasted for months upon months, drowning out that civilization and what if one of the aliens that helped create the flood to destroy that civilization got a message directly from God to do so? And when this great flood happened, was there spoils of war that occurred? And what if there was another civilization that was destroyed at the same time, one that was thriving, that wasn't destructive, and this other civilization was low, it wasn't high up. It was actually low on the earth. So when the flood happened, it went underwater. And it was Atlantis, a very advanced civilization that was dropped off by extraterrestrials previously. But not only did these extraterrestrials drop off civilizations along the way, they dropped off creatures from other planets. I love fishing here. I love this place. Yeah. Okay, you got some bait? Awesome. CJ. Okay, great. Awesome. I'm going to cast out a line right now. Where are you going? Just 100 yards? 100 feet up? Okay. All right. Cast your line out when you get a chance. We don't want to miss out. All right. Oh, this is just incredible. Oh, I just love the fresh air. Yeah. Oh, let me take a look around. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. Huh? CJ, what happened? Where, where is he? Oh, oh my God. 
the heck? The fishing rod is gone. Oh, wait a minute, there's tracks coming out of the water. This looks like webbed feet and claws. Huh? It looks like he was dragged in. Is that a shoe coming out? There's stories out there from all around the world of people experiencing encounters with creatures, creatures that are not human, creatures that are not animal. Like, when you hear one of these stories, you think, well, maybe the person just saw a bear, or maybe the person just saw a deer, and that's what was running through the woods. Or maybe that person in the truck accidentally ran over a wolf. Meanwhile, the person gets out of their vehicle and takes a look at what they ran into, and it's far from a wolf. It's far from a dog. It's something they've never seen before, ever. Gnarly teeth sticking out, a strange-shaped head, an unusual-sized body, much different than a simple dog or wolf or even a bear. And then, when the authorities come and take a look at it, like, we're just going to take a look here and don't worry, sir, go on your merry way. We're going to bag it and tag it and bring it in. And, oh, yeah, no, those teeth are four inches long in the front and it's got red eyes. But that's normal for out here, so not to worry. Oh, wait, oh, here's the other authorities coming here. Here they are. Great, great. Hey, guys. Yep, yep, okay, let's just get this thing loaded up and take it into the veterinary clinic. Yeah, that's where we're going, the veterinary clinic, exactly. Um, okay, uh, there's a helicopter coming. Oh, yeah, that's normal. Just get the helicopter down here, it's landing, and we're going to get it on that helicopter and take it to the base, the military base. No, wait, I mean, not the base, the veterinary clinic is where we're taking that. Don't worry, there are thousands of stories upon thousands of stories going back even past 100 years, 200 years, here in the U.S. alone, of people seeing things, people who are logging in the woods, cutting down trees, lumberjacks, seeing sightings of different creatures they've never seen before in their lives. When I was younger, I heard a story of a hunter who was out in the woods, saw a bear, and was pretty far away, took a shot, hit it, and then took a walk, finally caught up to where the bear was, looked on the ground, and it was a dead Sasquatch. He accidentally shot a Bigfoot. If he knew it was a Bigfoot to start with, probably wouldn't have shot at it. But he didn't know. It looked like an elk, a moose, a large deer, a bear. It just looked like a something rustling through the woods and it was his target. He didn't know he shot a Bigfoot in the back. The story goes that him and his friend dug a big hole right next to the Bigfoot and then pushed him into the hole and buried him. This happened around the 1930s and the story didn't come out until he was older. 30 years later in the 1960s, when he was asked, why didn't you tell someone? Why didn't you go to the authorities? Why didn't you ask for help? He said that they were scared because it looked human-like, so much so that they were in shock. They felt like they killed a large, hairy human that was nine feet tall, 
and 500 pounds. But at the same time, they knew it was some type of animal creature. They kept it a secret, and they moved on with their life. But there are stories all around the world. Bigfoot sightings, Noctinucks, Yetis, Sasquatches. Some stories are just friendly sightings, walking on a trail, and you see a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot. And others, where a Yeti comes out of nowhere and rips a tent apart and ends up killing a group of people that were camping out. The people who live in and around the Appalachian Mountains know about Bigfoots. They see a lot of different creatures, but not just Bigfoots and Sasquatches and Yetis. They see other things out there. There's something called the Wolfman, seven feet tall beast, or the Smoke Wolf, which is a massive wolf that's the size of a bear, a brown bear, and it has red eyes and a wolf head. And then there's one of the more frightening creatures, the Mothman, 10 feet tall with wings, and it's spotted before something bad happens. And of course, let's not forget the chupacabra. The chupacabra is in different forms, different places around the earth, and most likely responsible for some mysterious killings and disappearances. In 1864, during the Civil War, soldiers saw a gigantic bird flying in the air, and they shot at it. It took many soldiers and their guns to kill the bird to get it out of the sky, and it hit the ground. They stood on it, and a photograph was taken. It was a gigantic winged creature. Food was scarce. It was in the middle of the war. It was approaching winter, and they sectioned this creature, cut it up in pieces, and cooked it and fed a portion of the army. Mysterious sky creatures and mysterious land creatures were not the only creatures to be worried about. There were sea creatures, lake creatures, ocean creatures, river monsters here on this earth. Then and here on this earth now, one such creature is the mermaid. But mermaid sightings were never like it is in the storybooks. It wasn't this pretty woman with false eyelashes, makeup on and lipstick with a fishtail. True mermaid sightings were never pleasant. They were creatures that were humanoid-like, but at the same time had claws on their webbed hands or claws on their webbed feet. Water creatures tend to cause more trouble with a lot of people if there's no witnesses around. A lot of people's lives were destroyed because of creatures. There are many true accounts from people that have gone on lakes or in boats alone with no witnesses, so there was no one to see what really happened, where something terrible occurs and it's a disaster. There are lots of stories. There's one that I'll never forget. A true account. Two people going on a boat, on a lake. They're way out there. The boat's cruising along, and they hit something in the middle of the lake. So they stop the boat, and they look around. One guy looks over the side of the boat, and he's looking around at the water, while the other guy is sitting there in his seat watching. 
And then a webbed arm with claws comes out of the water, grabs onto the guy's jacket, and pulls him into the water. He screams, and then he's gone. So then the guy looks for him and looks for him, finally heads back to shore to get the authorities. The authorities come, and they say, what happened? And the guy says, I was on the water in my boat with my friend. We hit something, and then he was pulled in by what looked like a monster. Now, of course, the authorities are never going to believe that, ever in a million years. So then an investigation occurs. The guy ends up losing everything and ends up in prison for killing his friend. When he was on trial, everybody looked at him like he was crazy as he sat there saying, listen, I didn't kill my friend. Literally, I saw it. A monster came out of the water and grabbed my friend and pulled him in. Now, no one's going to believe that unless they experienced seeing a water creature or monster themselves one day cause a problem or even witness seeing one or were taught that they exist, but were not taught they exist. They're hidden from us purposely. If everyone believes that these creatures exist, then a lot of questions are raised. And the people that keep the people in control don't want those people that are in control and brainwashed don't want them thinking about other things. They want them to use their bandwidth, their brain power on everything else that they're training everybody and brainwashing everybody and keeping everybody on the narrative of society of what it is now. They don't want them off the grid or off the beaten path, learning about things that confuse everything. If science and research and authorities and the people in power and our leaders aren't talking about these creatures, not mentioning these creatures, it makes the leaders of the world look like they're hiding things or that they're not honest or that they just don't know, which means you don't have that security. Knowledge of creature sightings and creature experiences have always been down to that person's crazy. That person who lives in the woods is freaking nuts. That person that was on that raft going down the river who saw something jump out of that river, run on land, and had scales on its back, that person was delusional. They didn't know what they were seeing. Or that person who was in the woods on a trail saw some beast run across the trail, chasing down a deer and then killing it in front of that person who's on the trail. And these are just sightings like, whoa, this is what I saw. You have to understand. You have to believe me. And that person's changed forever. Their consciousness has changed forever. Their thought process about life, their reality has changed forever. They no longer trust the system anymore. The system is telling them they're nuts. The system is telling them to be quiet. The system is telling them that maybe they're imagining it or they need to see a psychiatrist or... Maybe they just need the attention and they're crying out for attention. So they're making up this elaborate story, trying to get people to look after them and care for them because, hey, you don't understand, I'm special because that's what they tell people. Meanwhile, the people that experience these things know the truth and they know what they saw with their own eyes. But things are changing now. A new normal is coming. Everybody has a camera in their hand. 
It never happened before. Back 50 years ago, the cameras were large, bulky, problematic. Batteries didn't work right in them. And you would have to go into the woods with these cameras 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago in hopes that you would spot maybe a Bigfoot. Now everybody walks around with these high-tech phones. Capabilities of getting videos in seconds. High-tech clear videos and photographs. And because of this, a new normal is coming. It's on its way. Already there are lots of people out there capturing creatures on their video cameras, including house cameras too. And as this keeps happening and more and more people see sightings and have documents, meaning video camera documents, actual videos of these creatures, then it becomes the new normal. And then eventually authorities, leaders of the world, people that run the world will say, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, we've always known about that. You're right. There is a creature, uh, science research. Um, they captured a creature and we have the creature and we're doing tests on the creature. And yes, you're right. There's creatures here. So it's, it's fine. It's, it's normal. Trust us. Trust us now. Oh, we've kind of always known about this. And you've always known about this too. And then let's just keep on brainwashing you. And that's how it goes. Meanwhile, what about all the people that have been told they're nuts or lost their lives or were put in prison because their friend was pulled into a lake? What about the people that needed psychiatric help and were put on drugs because of what they saw and they were doubted? And over the decades, thousands of people were doubted and never validated by the system controllers by the governments, by the authorities, by the leaders of the planet, never validated ever to what they've seen or what they experienced. There are many people throughout the years that lost themselves. They lost their minds because they weren't validated. They weren't given any understanding. They were told they were crazy, completely crazy, and not fit for society today. And because what they experienced was so intense and so harmful for many, and so hard on their consciousness that it changed them and made them doubt everything, doubt their religion, doubt their existence, doubt where we all came from or what are we, how is this possible, doubting God, doubting the authorities and the system controllers, doubting it all and being completely confused and taken out of that bubble that the system controllers are creating for everybody in society. On planet Earth, we are trained and brainwashed into fearing things that the system controllers only want us to fear. The people in charge on this planet decide what we are supposed to see and what we are supposed to fear. They make those decisions for us so that we don't break out of that bubble and stop relying on them. The system's built so we rely on it purposely. Then they can integrate what they want to us and inside of us in every way possible inside our minds. They can take over our consciousness with what they want us to learn and believe. Once it gets to the point that system controllers, leaders, bodies of government can't deny these creatures are there and they're real because they're being captured with technology and cameras 
and people are experiencing more counters with these creatures, once they can't doubt it or deny it anymore, they decide how to integrate that to the human race. So the gaslight starts to happen, the manipulation and gaslighting to everyone. Hey, we've already known about these creatures. Aren't you guys aware of it? Aren't you guys up on it? Yeah, we've known about it all this time. And we're going to teach your children now about these creatures in the way we want to control the narrative, in the way we want to control the storyline, so that the next generation and the next generation learns about the creatures in the way we want to teach them all along. And then when the people in charge of this planet control the narrative, this is kind of how it goes a little bit. Um, you saw a creature, yes. That's because there's this one breed of creatures that we have identified now and science is actually taking a look at. And that creature came out of a river that had a chemical spill and that creature was mutated. It was really just a normal snake, but it ended up growing a lot of limbs, somehow got tall. But yes, it's a creature and it's true. And that's how they do it. They'll do something similar to that. So this way, people who are brand new to it all will be like, hey, did you see that news report? Yeah, you saw it? It's crazy. It was like this creature that came out of the water, they said, and it ate a goat, and it was like it had claws and it had scales. Yeah, they said it was like because of a spillage or something and global warming and whatever it is. They, they were saying how there's going to be more of these creatures, so we just need to look out for them. As time goes on, they're going to try to acclimate us. They're going to have this thing where we're adapting to what they're giving us. Oh, science has it under control. They have a creature in a lab. They've identified it. It came out of the wet market originally or something. Maybe it's climate change. Whatever it is, they get us nice and comfy and cozy. So we're not scared really because they control what we fear or not. They don't really want us to fear these creatures unless they want us to fear these creatures. But they'll get it, so we'll finally get numb to it. It's all about numbing us out to everything so they can control us still. One important thing to know is that the reason why they're going to control how we think about these creatures or how we learn about them as time goes on, so it stops us questioning where these creatures come from, where are they derived from, so the storyline is controlled so we don't start thinking beyond the box and outside the box. Like, how is it possible these creatures are here? And do these creatures we're seeing fit the stories that the people in charge are telling us? When a creature is spotted on one side of the planet, and it happens to be a similar or same creature that's spotted on another side of the planet, the story and the narrative doesn't work anymore about this river and a mutation or a contamination. And as more creatures surface all around the world and they're getting caught on camera and photographed, then the stories are going to change. It's one of the reasons why they just don't want to even talk about it because you won't be able to keep the same storyline. And the biggest fear that the people who control this whole planet have is us learning where these creatures really come from in the first place, which is Noah's Ark spacecraft that dropped them off and still drops them off today. And as many millenniums have passed, there have been many Noah's Arks, many spacecrafts 
dropping off different creatures, land creatures and water creatures. And if you think about it, many have, they think about, well, how come we don't see all these creatures all the time, say, in the United States alone? Well, what people don't realize, very little land is being used by humans in the United States. Most of the land in the United States of America is completely separate from the land that we live and have our cities in and our suburbs in. Much of the land in the United States is government-owned or private. Same goes for Canada, government-owned or private. Same goes for other countries, government-owned or private. Very little land is being used by people on planet Earth. Most of the land on planet Earth we don't see and we don't play in and we don't live in. And yet, at the same time, government bodies, leaders of the planet, controllers of the planet, convince us we're overpopulated on planet Earth. And that's another narrative they want us to keep in our thought process and consciousness. So many of the creatures that we see here are creatures because we're treading into their territory. We're taking longer hikes deeper into woods. We're traveling up mountains. We're looking into our oceans a little deeper. And then we're seeing these creatures along the way. And these creatures are brimming. There's plenty of them out there. It's just that they're also hedging on our territories too that we live our lives in. So the paths are crossed a lot of times. When the day comes and it's out in the open that these creatures all exist, the system will set the stage on how we view these creatures and if we should fear these creatures. And if the system wants us to fear these creatures, there'll be a reason for the system's own gain. For example, if they wanted to evacuate a certain part of a country, they can use the creature alert. There's a creature in that area. It's very dangerous. You have to evacuate for the next 50 miles diameter. Meanwhile, there is no creature causing a problem in that area at the moment on any level. But they need that area cleared out for other reasons the system wants to use it for or cleared out to cause trouble with people in that area for a reason the system wants to do it for. Another thing that could happen once we're aware of all these creatures and they have control of the narrative, the system can say, look, these creatures are infectious and we can actually catch something from these creatures that can make us really sick or kills us. So you have to now take this certain drug if you live in the area where this certain creature lives. Or if the population starts to get sick from something the system doesn't want the population to know about because the system's involved, then the system will say, well, everybody's getting sick because of that certain variety of creature we identified. And in order to protect yourself, you need to take action in the way the system says. When the time comes, when people that control the planet, the system controllers, the leaders of the planet, decide 
it's okay to be open to the existence of these creatures, to be okay with their existence. They may present it in another way that these creatures are naturally here, naturally derived, indigenous, because that stops us from asking more questions. It's just science hasn't discovered them yet. And they may hang their hat on that. Now, one of the reasons why they may do that is because many accounts, when these creatures are spotted or there's a sighting, something supernatural happens at the same time. Some people who say they've spotted a creature unexplainably become paralyzed or frozen or they can't move. And it's not just because they're in total fear. They can't run. They can't move their arms. Some people who have had sightings and have seen certain creatures see lights in the sky around the same time or exactly at the same time. Others see an unidentified object in the sky when they spotted a creature. Some see glowing red eyes on the creature and some see fires that ignite themselves during or after the creature's appearance. What these creatures are exhibiting is supernatural abilities, which means not from this planet where creatures have supernatural powers, powers where fires can ignite on their own, flashes of light come out of the sky, things that a giraffe or an elephant, a bear, or a fish can't do. Which leads to the incredible question, where did they come from, who dropped them off, and how did they get here? Bring those two yetis over here. Yeah, just have them sit down. Okay. Oh, those two Sasquatches? Put those over there. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, watch out. Those mermaids? Oh no, those are from Planet Zoltan. It says here on the paperwork. Yeah, just be really careful. That mermaid right there will bite your head off. It happened one time to a worker here. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Blood everywhere. Okay, just have those mermaids parked over there. What else is coming off the ship? What else? Oh my God, that's a river monster. River monsters, I don't like to work with liver. Yeah, no. I, I'm, no, the river monsters are the worst. Why? They smell so bad. They smell like puke and diarrhea and pond scum all at once. Just put them over there. I gotta get my mask, just hang on. What else is coming off the ship? Oh, okay, there's the alien conductor. He's coming off now, he wants to say something to me. Let me see if I can put my code, my language uh, um, my language device on so I can understand what he's saying, okay. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. calm down, calm down. We, we're taking everything you have today, yes. Okay, here's, I'm, I'm signing off for this. There you go. Okay. Now this leads to a couple of questions here. If creatures are being dropped off by spacecrafts in the last hundred years, is there an alliance between the people that run this planet and the aliens? Deals being brokered, deals being made to receive such creatures, or are these creatures being dropped off by spacecrafts roguely, randomly, anytime, any place as the years go by? Or is it both? Is it sometimes an alliance with the people that run this planet because deals are being made and 
their spacecrafts and aliens dropping off creatures randomly at other times. This leads us to another question. Do the people on this planet who run this planet have communication with the aliens, communication with extraterrestrials in other ways, minus the creatures, without having any creatures involved? Planet Earth has precious resources, resources we go to war over, resources we battle over and fight over, precious minerals, water, oil, that's just a few of the resources. Deals for these resources are made on the planet between corporations, countries, governments, militaries, people behind the scenes. Deals are made. And who else? And who else wants a piece of the action? Precious resources from this planet. Now, the phone you're holding, that takes a lot of minerals. Precious minerals is how your phone can work is how your computer can work. It's how technology works. It's from precious minerals that were mined from this Earth. But, hmm, spacecrafts are technology as well. And spacecrafts need precious minerals. And that leads us to all the excess land in the United States and other countries that we're not privy to, that we're not allowed to walk on or see. Hundreds and hundreds of miles we don't have access to. And why don't we have access to all this land at the same time we're being told we're taking up all this space? If the whole world's monetary system and economies are built on resources that come from this planet, and most of the land is not accessible and just tucked away, and human beings aren't allowed to be on that land or talk about that land and who owns it, then what are the powers of this world doing with all that land and who is using those resources within that land? What kind of deals are being made? And is it possible that aliens are making deals with humans here on the planet? Extraterrestrials are making deals for precious minerals and resources. And it's a trade-off. Maybe we're receiving technology from these extraterrestrials at the same time we're giving out precious resources from our planet. Is there trading occurring? And the other thing is, there isn't just one alien, one alien spacecraft, one alien race, and that's that. Lots of different aliens from different planets around different galaxies, different parts of the universe. Just this galaxy alone that our solar system is in has countless solar systems within it. So are there deals made with different alien races here on planet Earth? A trade where we give them precious minerals from this Earth while they give us tools and technology. Everyone thinks that when we donate blood, it goes to use. So it goes to the hospitals. And the hospitals always say, well, we don't have enough. We need more blood donors. We need more blood donations. But no one is really tracking, really, on paper where all that blood goes because hospitals only get a fraction of that blood. So where does all that blood go? Lots of blood is being donated, but yet lots of blood is not making it to the places it's supposed to be donated to. 
And then there's all the excess blood from when we get our blood drawn. They only need a fraction of the blood when they draw it from us to run a test, but yet they draw more blood from us than what they use. And they say they throw away the rest. In truth, technically, only a few drops of blood is needed to run a gamma of tests, but they draw ample amounts, amounts that they'll never use. Where does it go in the end? You might be somebody that thinks, oh no, they use all that blood when they do a blood test and they draw blood from me. It's not true. They don't even use a slight fraction of it. It's so minuscule. But where does all the other blood go? And where does all the blood go that we donate as well? I go into great detail about blood draw in the Brain Saver books. Is it possible that we're trading our most precious resource, which is our life force, our life blood, our actual blood, and we're trading that blood for technology and tools from extraterrestrials? And is it possible that they're doing something with that blood? For one, they could be drinking it. Extraterrestrials can be using it as a fuel source. For two, they could be extracting precious minerals and trace minerals from our blood itself. Three, looking at our genes, because after all, is it the extraterrestrials that planted us down here many, many, many years ago? It's time to talk about the moon for a few minutes. Now, the moon has precious minerals as well, lots of resources on it, but there's no regulatory system on the moon. There's no countries and governors of the moon. There's no people that run the moon. No trading would have to be required. No deals would be made. Just extraterrestrials flying over the moon, entering craters in the moon, mining deep within the moon for precious minerals and destabilizing the moon, weakening it, essentially hollowing out the moon and at the same time destabilizing the earth. How many excavations are happening inside the moon? How many alien nations and alien races are digging inside the moon, unearthing or unmooning lots of precious minerals and metals that they need for their industries. Is it possible that the moon will eventually collapse inside and the moon will fold? As the moon breaks apart, large pieces of the moon will head to the earth. Will it throw our earth off access to such a degree that our earth heads to the sun? And that brings us to our next question. What alien nation or alien race would like the moon to collapse eventually, break apart, and throw the Earth off axis? It certainly isn't a good alien. So that question brings us to, are there bad aliens? Are there good aliens? Good and evil doesn't just exist here on planet Earth. Where you have good, you have intentions that are good, you have good people doing good things, wanting the earth better, wanting to protect people, humankind. And then you have bad people here on planet earth. They want to destroy people. They want people hurt. They want people lost and sad. Bad people 
even want to hurt the earth, knowing it will be bad for good people. This same good and evil happens outside of this earth, outside of the solar system, inside our galaxy, past our galaxy, in other galaxies. Good and evil isn't just here on planet earth. It's everywhere in the universe. Greed exists on planet earth. We all know that. But that leads us to this question. Does greed exist outside of planet earth? The same rules that exist on planet earth exist in other planets too and other places in the universe. One rule is nothing's for free. There is ownership in the universe, ownership in solar systems on different planets. A spacecraft can't land on a planet, start mining, and take all of its resources without having to answer to another alien, and then a war begins, and then deals are made. An alien can't just snap their finger, and a ship with high technology is built in three seconds. Yeah, maybe there is an alien race that can snap their finger and float away and go through different dimensions. But either way, for the most part, alien ships are still technology that have to fly through space and be built with resources at a cost somehow, some way, some shape or form, and then new resources in order to keep that ship moving. That brings us back to the question, good alien, bad alien. What kind of deals are being made? What kind of mining is being done? Is there mining happening on the earth? Are there deals being made with good aliens? Or are there deals being made with bad aliens? Or is it a little bit of both? Takes us to one more question. Are the aliens that are bad, that could be working with the people that run the earth, teaching the people that run the earth how to control people? And does that mean that good aliens that are communicating with people that run the planet are trying to do the opposite, break people free from the control that evildoers have on the planet over their people, which now takes us to another area. Are there extraterrestrials living among us? If there are extraterrestrials that live among us, then there's going to be a combination of both bad extraterrestrials and good extraterrestrials. And this combination of aliens, both good and bad, that live among the people on this planet, what are they here for? What are their jobs? What are they doing? For whose gain? They're not simply here so they can walk to a hot dog stand, order a hot dog with chili and cheese and bacon on top, enjoy it, eat it, and say they did all of this just to experience a little different flavor of culinary experience. A spacecraft doesn't just travel trillions of miles just to land here, then join our community, shapeshift, hang around, have a little fun, play ball, go swimming, eat some food. There's bigger reasons. There's bigger purpose. If it's a bad alien, the goal is going to be to enter our science field, our medicine field, our military field, 
and any other field that has great influence. And maybe that's why extraterrestrials, spacecrafts, and UFO sightings have been called weather balloons all these generations, all of these decades, or called a hoax, or called a rainbow, or called a meteorite, or fallen star. The reason for hiding such discoveries and not validating people and their experiences could all come down to the people of power on the planet, the people that run the entire planet, may not want people to think these UFOs and extraterrestrials exist because they possibly live among us. And the more we learn about extraterrestrials, the more it becomes normal, the more it becomes, hey, these exist. UFOs exist. Extraterrestrials exist. There's a lot of sightings on record. The government knows about it. The leaders of the world know about it. We all know about it, and we're one big happy family about it. Once that happens, then the door opens about other things that don't seem too unreasonable. Like, wait a minute. If there's that many sightings, that many ships, that many extraterrestrial understandings, then is it possible that they walk among us and live among us? And who's involved with that? Which takes us to another area. As extraterrestrials become common fare, common knowledge, a common part of everybody's everyday life, then the fear factor can kick in. And this fear factor can be a new narrative that's created to teach the world on how they should think about extraterrestrials or how they should believe in what they're seeing about extraterrestrials when the whole world is joined together and everybody knows about extraterrestrials and it becomes common fare. It's integrated into everyone's lives. Then the story can change about these extraterrestrials, about what they're doing to us, or the time may come where the people that control the world will say, Something is bad. Something's happening that's not good for everybody about these extraterrestrials. And then the story changes, and then everybody gets fearful. And that becomes a way to control everyone. And this could lead to a new fake narrative story, which is that extraterrestrials are out to get us. So the whole world has to join together, create a war machine against the extraterrestrials, a narrative that may not even be true. Once again, a narrative that benefits the controllers, the people on the planet that control everybody and everything, and even maybe the extraterrestrials that work alongside of them. So let's talk about what people on this planet have been searching for all these centuries. Holy relics, religious relics, Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Grail, the Veil of Veronica, the Ring of St. Edward. So let's start with the Holy Grail. Many believe that the Holy Grail was a cup, a cup that Christ drank from with the apostles during the Last Supper. The cup has never been found. The search happened for centuries. People all across the lands searched for the cup. The Knights Templar had treasure troves of cups, silver cups, gold cups, Cups with emeralds, diamonds, and rubies on them. Not just gold and silver cups. They had pewter cups, lead cups. They collected wooden cups. If there was a rumor that wooden cup found somewhere in some church, 
was the lost cup, the Holy Grail that Christ drank from, the Knights Templar would grab it and put it in their collection in hopes that the cup would show itself, would show its powers, its holy power, because that was the cup that Jesus Christ drank from during the Last Supper. The search for the Holy Grail wasn't just because Jesus Christ drank out of the cup. It was because there were stories about the cup, stories that it wasn't just an average cup. It was said that the grail looked unusual, didn't look normal, and it held some kind of power. Was it possible the Holy Grail was a device, a tool, an alien tool, or an instrument of some kind? And what if the Holy Grail wasn't just made out of gold or silver or wood, pewter, or lead, and instead it was made out of a different metal? And what if this device wasn't a grail? Instead, it was shaped like a grail so it can hold liquid. So in that moment, it was used to hold the liquid so the apostles and Jesus Christ could drink from it. And how long did Jesus Christ have this grail or device? Was it with him for years? And what did this device or grail do? Was it a survival device? Was it a warmer? Was it a cooling device? Was it a navigation device? Was it even a communication device to above? Or was it just an old wooden cup the apostles misplaced after the dinner? And when did the search for the Holy Grail start? Was it shortly after Jesus Christ was crucified? Or was the search for the Holy Grail long before Jesus Christ had the Holy Grail in his possession? And then there's the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. It's said that Moses built the Ark and then housed the Ten Commandments within the Ark. The other thing placed inside the Ark was the Rod of Aaron, another precious relic of the Israelites. The Ark of the Covenant traveled alongside of Moses and the Israelites wherever they went. Was it possible the Ark of the Covenant wasn't built by Moses and instead was an alien tool given to Moses, directed by God. And this alien tool, the ark, fed the Israelites, kept them from starving to death. A fuel source produced by the ark, manna, so the Israelites wouldn't go without food. It was said the ark of the covenant had godly powers. So when the enemies came, the Israelites survived in battle because of the ark of the covenant. Was the ark a powerful device directed by God to be brought down by aliens and given to Moses to save his people? Was the rod of Aaron a tool, an alien tool, a device that worked alongside of the ark of the covenant, which was another alien tool? And were they both used to separate the water that was flowing in the Jordan River so the Israelites could cross? Or was the ark just a wooden box built by Moses, instructed by God, to house the Ten Commandments and the Rod of Aaron? Yeah, you guys, we have to go get the ark. Yeah, Moses told us to do it. No, you too, all of us. I don't know why Moses always tells us to do it all the time. Okay, you ready? Get ready to lift it. Ooh, oh no, don't drop the Rod of Aaron, whatever you do. Yeah, you drop the Rod of Aaron, something bad can happen. It happened before. 
Yeah, okay. You're hungry too? Do you want to just open up the top of the ark and grab some more mana? Yeah, let's do it. I'm hungry too. Oh, Moses is coming. Just hurry up. Grab it. Let's go. We got to get it down to the river. Jordan River. That's where we're going next. Okay, you guys. I got it. Oh, oh, oh. There is so much we don't know about life on this planet. We only know so much. And we've only documented so much. And what we do have on record, was it documented accurately? And many discoveries on this planet are hidden, stored away. They're not for the public eye. They're not taught in schools. We're not allowed to know about even our own true history going back. We're in a time that even if an archaeologist discovered a profound, unbelievable find inside the earth that was unexplainable by science, it would be held from us so we would not be able to see it or understand what it really is. If something like the Ark of the Covenant was discovered, was unearthed by archaeologists, and it was alien technology, a device, or something that had superpower, we would never see it. It would be taken from us, hidden, and used either for evil or just stored away forever. There are people out there that believe we are the only living beings in the universe and there is no other life beyond our own planet Earth, that we are the only ones that exist and no others anywhere else exist or have ever existed outside of the world we call our home. And that's okay. Many believe we are the most intelligent life forms in the universe and that aliens from outer space are just stories and fantasies made up for movies and our imagination. So we become convinced extraterrestrials aren't our reality here in the real world we live in. And instead, aliens are just for make-believe fun. Some of us who believe there is life beyond and there are life forms that enter our solar system and atmosphere still don't completely accept there is so much more than just unidentified lights flying across the sky. We are taught here that things we can't see don't really exist. We are told here that the only life forms are us and the wildlife and no other humanoid life forms walk this earth until one day we experience it ourselves. And for some, if they do see something that isn't explained or seems impossible for our mind to conceive, something changes in them and their consciousness shifts and their everyday lives will never be the same. There is so much we still don't understand, but yet we could understand if only we are given the choice and freedom to see what it is that's being hidden from us all along. And maybe then we finally believe that there is so much more out there than just us.